Hey guys, coming to you today with some convictions. Oh my goodness gracious, has the Lord spoken to me and really stirred my heart and devastated me a touch. Let's check it out. This is the Gaining My Perspective podcast, and you're hanging here with me, Wendy Cunningham. You're here to get empowered, inspired, informed, and encouraged as we navigate the everyday journey of this crazy life. Stick around because we're going to laugh and we're going to learn. And above all else, we're going to gain perspective. Hey guys, how's everybody doing? How are we hanging in? I always feel like I need to ask this question. How we doing? How we hanging in there? Oh, I am still manly sounding, still coughing a lot, but feeling good, rounding the bend of my little uh, bout with the COVID. And uh, my husband, my family are all doing well. We're taking all the vitamins, doing all the things, going for walks, making sure to stretch our lungs, helping our body to do the thing that God designed it to do, feeling grateful for our the design of our body, I suppose, the way that God created us to fight illness. It's almost the same um, being pregnant is very similar to having COVID in that it's happening to your body. And for better or for worse, there's a lot of risk. There's a lot of what ifs. There's a lot of things that could certainly go wrong in both having COVID and being pregnant. And there's a wild inclination to put your trust and faith in things that you can see and touch things that make sense in the natural, like a doctor or science or an ultrasound or what have you. And yet this strange peace in knowing that's not at all where the answers lie. That's not at all where I am to put my faith. And I'm, as I said before, I'm so grateful to have been delivered of anxiety before walking through this because I really feel very peaceful, uh, you know, walking through this and knowing that whatever, whatever comes any given day has already been presupposed. It's already been determined. And I, I understand that this is a hard concept because it seems to fly in the face of free will, right? What, how do we have free will? And also God has predestined every day of our life. I understand that is a bit of a conundrum. <laughs> it's it's like the Trinity, right? That Father God, Jesus the Son, and Holy Spirit are three separate entities and also one entity in perfect unity. This is a conundrum. How do we do this, right? How does our brain wrap around these things? How do you even grab a hold of eternity, right? How do you even, I mean, we, we can say what eternity is. We can explain it with words, but can we really conceptualize it with a, a true understanding? It's hard. It takes time. It takes pondering, right? All that to say, <laughs> it's a, it's a weird thing to walk through and 
and yet it is just a, an extension of our faith journey. Every, every day on this planet, everything we face is an extension of our faith journey is, is just one day further in that experience, um, that experiential faith, I guess you could say. And I think we're all getting a heavy dose of that right now, of experiential faith. Are we really the people that can put our money where our mouth is, so to speak, that when the time comes to really trust in God, do we do it? Or do we bend to the temptation to trust in the natural, in in science and doctors and vaccines and whatever else that we might be putting our faith and trust in? But that's not actually the direction I want to go with you guys today. I'm feeling really um, just a, a clear message from the Lord today that if this is the end and I don't want to get too heavy. <laughs> I don't want to get too heavy. If this is the end, if we're looking down the barrel of the end times, you know, let's not get too heavy as we talk about that. But I know that this is, I see more and more videos all the time of, of, you know, people saying, pulling out pieces of revelation and, and drawing the line from this verse in revelation to the earthquake that happened in Haiti or, you know, whatever, all these various natural disasters that are tied to this scripture and blah, blah, blah. And there's, that's nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun. That's always been the case, but it certainly does feel like there is a new urgency. How about that? A new urgency around what's happening. It seems that things in, in the natural, in our world right now are accelerating And I don't know if that's just me. I know it's not just me, but I don't know if that's happening, if that's an experience that's happening on a larger scale, but there does seem to just be a quickened pace. And of course, the Bible says frequently that he is coming back soon. The language from the gospel is that of urgency, that this is an eminent return of Christ, right? His second coming is any minute, right around the corner. Now, as these people were writing the gospels and as Paul was writing his letters and the other letters in the New Testament, this was 2000 years ago, right? So the, it doesn't discredit the urgency with which they wrote that God is slow, that he is patient That's what the Bible says. He's the one that's patient to bring about the end. The enemy is urgent to bring about the end. The enemy has always been putting in position an antichrist, a a person that can fill that role in each generation. The enemy is quick to be ready for that. It is God who is slow because God does the initiating of the end times. And God is slow because he would have as many people come to know him as is absolutely possible before he initiates this final, you know, time of tribulation, time of trial. And I know not everyone is a believer, but even if you're not, perhaps you feel it, perhaps you sense it. I remember, and my husband feels the same way, which is kind of funny. And and we had this conversation before I was a believer before I came over to the dark side, so to speak. 
when I was very young, I had the sense that I would see the end of the world and I didn't even have any context for what that would, what that is or what that would mean because the end of the world is really a biblical, um, concept really, you know, to, to think about witnessing the end of earth, the end of humanity is very much a biblical construct, right? And so to be a young child and to have that sense that in my lifetime I would witness that, I don't know where that came from and I don't know why I would have ever felt that way, but I remember feeling that way. And when I met my husband and we would have these conversations, he said he felt very similarly from a very young age that he would witness that. And that's weird. That's strange. But now that I'm an adult and we're looking at the nature of the world right now. And it's what's strange to me about it is it's not just America. It's not just an acute instance of just one country is experiencing something, even in Nazi Germany, you know, that did grow into a world conflict, but it was a localized issue. It wasn't a, um, I mean, it wasn't the same as a global pandemic where every country is, I mean, there was countries in Africa that had nothing at all to do with World War II. <laughs> you know, there, there were loads of people on the earth that went right about their merry lives and were affected very minimally, if at all, by World War II happening. And yet here we are in a global pandemic and it's very hard to find a corner of this earth that hasn't been affected in some capacity, be it by a shift in the way that they did their life, in new medications they're taking, in new injections that they're being offered, or um, different government procedures. I mean, it is touching every corner of this planet, which is unusual. Certainly hasn't happened um, in the way that it's happening, the global economy that we have today, you can say that what we're experiencing now has never happened on the face of the earth before, to our knowledge, in the history of earth. Because we haven't had the same, I mean, let's say maybe uh, the flood. <laughs> the flood was most certainly a global catastrophe, right? So perhaps then. But this is a unique moment. And it does... Um, seem to be echoing things in the Bible. And I hate to get too, um, you know, married into revelation and, and prophecy, end time prophecies, because the Bible is very clear that we will not know the day or the hour. We won't. No one does. So I, I don't mean to, you know, get out in front of myself, but I will say this just, I'm speaking just from an experiential perspective and perhaps you're feeling it too. And I felt the Lord say to me today, if that is true, if you are experiencing this, if that is your inclination and feeling, why is that? What is, what is causing you to have these thoughts and feelings? And, you know, there's a scripture I'm going to pull out here that, that came to mind but if that is true, shouldn't we be reacting? And, and I'm guilty of this too, because I've been reacting poorly. I've been reacting in the natural as much as I'd like to say that I am very eternal focused. I, I try my hardest to be, and I try my hardest to, you know, continue to humble myself all the time and, and, and let Lord, the Lord tell me 
What would you have me do? What would you have me say? What would you have me focus on? What would you have me let go of? What would you have me surrender? What would you have me walk away from? What would you have me walk towards? All the time. And I want to be in obedience more now than ever. And there is that urgency. Lord, just let me hear you clearly. I want to be, I am urgent to hear you. I am, I feel an urgency to be obedient to what you're calling me to do. And today he told me, is there anything more important than warring for souls in eternity? Is there anything more important than that? But before I go down that road, I want to pull out a scripture that came to me today in Matthew 24, just something that's been heavy on my heart, just like an indicator for me. And this is a a part of scripture where Jesus is specifically talking about signs of the end of the age. So I'm going to start in verse four. So Matthew 24, four, Jesus replied to them, watch out that no one deceives you, period. Again, full stop, right? Watch out that no one deceives you. This is such an age of deception on all fronts. And my husband and I were just having a conversation and he said, I don't want to act righteously thinking I have discovered the truth because I only know for certain that what is in the Bible is true. Everything else in the natural could be a deception. And isn't that true? Isn't that the truth? Oh, so good that we are all standing so convinced and convicted, and this is me too, that we're right, that we know what's right, that we know what's true. And I am always praying, Lord, reveal the truth. Show me what's true. Show me, shine light in the darkness. Help me to discern. And I hope that we're all doing that all the time. But goodness gracious, watch out. This is Jesus. Watch out that no one deceives you. Be careful every day. Be diligent. This is me talking. Be diligent that no one deceives you. Back to scripture. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Messiah, and they will deceive many period. So this is, again, going back to, this is just a sign of the end. This is the heading of this part of scripture, signs of the end of the age. Deception, deception. People will deceive you in the name of the Messiah, even. Many will be walking in deception, believers and unbelievers. Back to scripture. You are going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed because these things must take place, but the end is not yet. So pause. We will hear of wars, rumors of wars. Do not be alarmed by this because these things must take place. Not because they're rumors and they're not going to happen. They very well may happen. We may see wars in ways that we're not seeing wars. I think we're already seeing wars I think we're at war right this minute. We are in absolutely an information warfare for sure. We're fighting each other. We are on the precipice, what feels like of a civil war, of a revolution. I'm not sure. All, both, each, all of the above. But it says, do not be alarmed because these things must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these events are the beginning of labor pains. Pause. He talks about labor pains as being the the tribulation is the time of labor. This final seven years of tribulation before the second coming of Christ. 
So this is the beginning, right? We will, there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Now, these are the scriptures that people pull out and like to reference specific famines, specific earthquakes. I don't want to do that, but we do know there's like volcanoes erupting. There's just things that are going on all the time. It's all, these are all things that are promised. Again, it may not be that that is a sign of the end, but it could be the beginning of these labor pains, right? All these events are the beginning of labor pains. In verse nine, then they will hand you over to be persecuted and they will kill you. This is promised. This is hard. This is really hard. And at this conference that I was just at this weekend, finally, I feel like I had a pastor Um, Oh man, Rich is his first name and I can't for the life of me think of his last name. I'll put it in the show notes, but he's in Miami at the VU in Miami, the church there. And I was so grateful to hear him preach because it was the first time I've, I've heard a pastor in these moments, in these days, preach a message. His message was called risky business because to follow Jesus in this time is risky business to stay true to your convictions in this time is risky business. To be willing to step out in faith and put your faith in things that are eternal and not the natural is risky business. We are almost promised persecution. If you are if you are standing in your convictions, you're almost for sure experiencing persecution right now. I know I am. But it says then meaning after the labor pains begin, then they will hand you over to be persecuted and they will kill you. That might be what we're, we face. That is already what many Christians across the globe are facing right this minute today. Christians in China are being tortured every day right now in this time. This isn't ancient times. This is happening now. I read about it all the time. It breaks my heart. I, I pray for these, for intercession, intervention for these Christians in Afghanistan right now. What's happening to Christians? They will persecute you and they will kill you. I'm seeing it, right? Like Afghanistan is another more recent example of this starting to happen on a larger scale, the expansion of the persecuted church. Back to scripture. You will be hated by all nations because of my name. Then many will fall away, betray one another, and hate one another. (laughs) Is that not happening? Many will fall away, betray one another, and hate one another. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. I think that we are watching a lot of church leadership deceive many, lead the church astray, focus on the wrong things, not point to eternal, but point to the natural point to things that only matter in the natural instead of correcting the church's vision on eternity. I think that we're seeing that. Verse 12, because lawlessness will multiply, the love of many will grow cold. That was what the verse that came to me this morning, the love of many will grow cold. It's actually been sitting on my heart for several days now because that's what it feels like. The love of many will grow cold. The love for the church the love for your fellow believer, the love for your neighbor, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. That's our number one commandment. I'm not seeing that walked out very well right now. And I know I'm guilty of it, right? I hold 
um, resentment, bitterness, anger. I have these moments. I'm sure you do too. I feel convicted of them. Not condemned, praise God, but convicted of them, of these moments where I can repent, turn away from that behavior. But the love of many will grow cold. That is most certainly happening. People that I know I had a great relationship with have completely turned their back. Our relationship is entirely different. It is cold. It is cold. And nothing has actually changed. I always thought the things I think now, and I'm sure you always thought the things that you think now, but for some reason, the fact that we know that about each other has made the relationship cold. It's really interesting. Verse 13, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. This good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And it goes on to talk about the great tribulation, but I just wanted to touch on that part of it. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. What does that mean? Endures in their love, endures in their faith, fights against the love of many growing cold, right? Fights against the turning on our neighbor, turning on our, our, our fellow believers, turning on non-believers, right? And it occurred to me, there's another verse that came to me today. As I was, I read this verse, oh, maybe a week or two ago, and it was brought back to my recollection. This is why it's so important for us to be in the word every day, all the time. That's how God speaks to us and he'll bring it. I'm not very good at memorizing scripture, but I, I remember it and I can find it. I, rem- I, maybe, I might not be able to you know, reiterate it word for word verbatim when I need to, but I'm pretty good. I'm pretty close to do that. I can certainly always paraphrase it, which I know I need to get better about that. But I, the, because I'm reading the word daily, the Lord can bring it to my recollection and go, that's what I'm talking about right now. Let me, let me show you something that's happening in the natural through something that I showed you a week ago in, in the scripture. So I was in Haggai, which is a minor prophet that I never have read before, but I'm reading the entire Bible this year. I'm almost to the New Testament. There's a lot of Bible, a lot of things I didn't know happened. A lot of cherry picking that gets done in the Bible. Haggai chapter one, verse three, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to live in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now the Lord of the army says this, think carefully about your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough to be satisfied. You drink, but never have enough to be happy. You put on clothes, but never have enough to get warm. The wage earner puts his wages into a bag with a hole in it. The Lord of armies says this, think carefully about your ways. Go up into the hills, bring down lumber, and build the house, and I will be pleased with it and be glorified, says the Lord. You expect much, but then it amounts to little. When you brought the harvest to your house, I ruined it. Why? This is the declaration of the Lord of armies. Because my house still lies in ruins while each of you is busy with your own house. Oh my gosh. That struck me so much. 
because my house still lies in ruins while each of you is busy with his own house. I have been spinning my wheels trying to figure out for for my adult life, if I can, I don't even know when it began, <laughs> but I'm sure like when I have these moments of clarity, when I look back and go, Lord, I've just been toiling. I've just been spinning my wheels trying to chase after goals in the natural. And again, I'm a huge fan of goals. Don't get me wrong. I think they're important and they have a place, but I have been, uh, I've taught, I've spoken, I've trained endlessly on vision and goals and your why and why do you do the things that you do and why do you pursue the careers that you pursue and, and, you know, the next level and and trying to achieve the next level and, and what is success and all of these things. We all do this. We all do this in our careers, right? We, we figure out what in the natural, what it means to be successful. And sometimes that's assigned to us by society around us. You're successful once you complete certain degrees. You're successful once you have a certain amount of dollar bills, you know, in your paycheck or in your bank account. Once you have a house that you own or once you have a certain kind of house that you own or a car or whatever it is, we all have these like, you know, internal check marks we're we're seeking out and I'm so guilty of it. And it's just this perpetual, never enough, never enough, never enough, the next goal, the next goal, the next goal. And I've just felt exhausted in the last year and since the beginning of the pandemic, I'll say. But really, maybe six months after the pandemic began, the fatigue started to set on my heart. And I know this, I'm not alone in this. Just fatigue in the, in the strive. And I used to say that I suffer from strive. I'm a three on the Enneagram, and so I suffer from strive. I am an achiever through and through. In my business, I'm an executive national vice president. <laughs> I, am the, I have achieved the highest title you can achieve in my career field. And there's still goals. There's still places I reach. There's still things I'm pushing for. And again, don't mishear me that I'm saying that's bad in and of itself. But going back to this verse, the Lord just showed me today, you have planted much, but harvested little. How much I put in and how much I, how much the, the result of it is sufficient. It, it, it isn't sufficient because I have to go back and push harder for the next thing, right? So I plant much, but I harvest a little bit because I need to go plant more and harvest more and plant more and harvest more. And it's just never sufficient. It's like the woman at the well, Right. You, you're going to have to come back to the well because you're going to be thirsty again. There's really only one place where you're going to be satisfied. There's really only one place where you're going to feel fully satiated, fully successful. You eat, but you never have enough to be satisfied. You have to come back and eat again. You drink, but you never have enough to be happy. You put on clothes, but you never have enough to get warm. I can tell you I will never have enough clothes. You hear me? I will never have enough clothes. There will always be some other piece of clothes that is cute that I need. Will never be enough. (laughs) You put on clothes, but never have enough to be warm. The wage earner puts his wage into a bag with a hole in it. Anybody ever feel like you have a wallet with a hole in it? Because I sure feel like I have a wallet with a hole in it sometimes. Goodness gracious, I have three children. 
I have a wallet with a hole in it. (laughs) The Lord of Armies says this, think carefully about your ways. He says it two times in in this short passage. Think carefully about your ways in verse 5, and then think carefully about your ways again in verse 7. Because my house still lies in ruins, while each of you is busy with his own house. I have been so busy with my own house, guys. So busy with my own house. And if what I read in Matthew, if there's an inclination that this could be the end, that we could be closing in, right? As they say in the gospel, that his return is imminent, that it is soon. We should expect it. We should anticipate it. And this is not something to fear. This is something to celebrate. I cannot wait to be delivered into my next level of glory. Praise God. Get rid of this this earthly body and take on my spiritual body, my new body, my perfect body, my glorified body. Let's take it. I'm ready, right? This is not something meant to be scary or anticipated with fear. This is something we should be expectant. But goodness gracious, in all the time it occurred to me today, it broke my heart. Have I ever one day of my life as a believer built God's house with the same passion and fervency and, and excitement and joy and focus as I have spent, I don't know how many days building my own house. I know what it looks like to work hard. I know what it looks like to work hard over a long period of time. I am all about that perseverance. I am all about that pushing on and pushing on and calling yourself higher and and reaching for higher goals and, you know, encouraging others to do the same and setting that next level. And I don't think those are bad things to do in and of themselves. But have I ever one day, oh, it broke my heart, pursued the building of God's eternal kingdom with that same kind of energy as I have spent building my own house? No. And if I feel that we are looking down the barrel of potentially the end, and that's not a scary thing. I know it has a scary connotation and it's not absent of fear, fear in the sense of reverence, right? But if that is the truth, if I feel that or feel that inclination to believe that could be so, I should have absolute, there's nothing more important, nothing more important than warring for souls to end up on the right side of this equation, friends. So I just had to come out and share this with you guys. I had to come out and record this right now. It was so heavy on my heart. Is there anything else more important that we should be spending our time? And can we give more to the house of God in our energy, focus, passion, intentionality than we do to building our own house? Because goodness gracious, if we are just constantly toiling here in the natural and never finding our satisfaction, we're never getting there. There's always somewhere else to get to. Trust you, me. There's always another level, a higher calling, another goal, another step. There will always be that. And again, I love that. I love that. I thrive off that. It's not bad. But the toil of it, 
the strive. I suffer from strive. I suffer in the perpetual striving to get to the next place. And I don't toil in the same passion and energy and intensity for the house of God. We've got to flip the switch. And I have to be honest with you, as I walk the square, which I've done multiple times, as I feel so filled up with patriotism, I I am convicted in the same moment. Have I ever walked the square and held a sign for Jesus? Am I willing to be as relentless for Jesus? As I am I willing to fight the good fight and and stay to the end? But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Am I positioning myself to endure to the end? in eternity, to the end for eternity, rather than in things that are in the natural, building my own house, so to speak, fighting for my own house. I need to flip that switch. We all need to flip that switch, church. We need to flip that switch because there's nothing else more important. There's nothing else more important. Just a little revelation. Just a little revelation for you today, folks. I hope that that served you. I hope that convicted you because my goodness, is that not a strong conviction I'm walking with today, guys? I hope that helped. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate this podcast and tell all your friends. And of course, catch me over at gainingmyperspective.com. Father God, forgive us. Forgive me, Lord. Help me to humble myself and repent. Lord, I repent of my own striving. I repent of my own ways and my own building of my own house. Lord, I repent that I have put me first and you second. I repent that I have put my things in the natural over your things in eternity. Lord, I know that you have an assignment on my life. Lord, let me be so convicted of it every day. Let me walk in that every day. Show me the opportunities every day, every every way I possibly can, Lord. I repent of building my house before yours, Lord. Help us to see clearly what you would have us do as we anticipate your return, Lord. In your son's name we pray, amen.